Happy Mother's Day. Uh, you may not know that this is not a Christian holiday. And it falls on a Sunday, which confuses a lot of us. But if you, if you read your Bibles, it, it's not actually in there. Um, <clears throat> but it, it's actually a very meaningful holiday for, uh, for our church, in particular by our church. I actually mean the, the Vineyard Universal, the, the Vineyard Church. Mother's Day means a whole lot to us. And I'm not sure that everybody absolutely understands why that's the case. Um, so I've actually got a, a video. I know the kids always have movie day. Y'all ever feel left out because we don't have movie day? Don't have popcorn for you. I'm sorry, but we have a movie. So it, it's going to be a, a, a quick, kind of quick clip. Um, so let's kick that off. What I saw is, is I saw the fire starting, and I saw like a, like a globe, like the earth, and the fire starting in one spot, and it going, uh, it, it just went one way, didn't go always, it went up and around the whole earth, and it never stopped until the whole earth was engulfed in, in the flame. So I already knew, like it was just part of the, what I knew, uh, that uh, this was this thing was never going to stop until it covered the whole earth and it was God and we couldn't stop it even if we tried to I said when do we go out and do it he says oh you don't have to do it you just have to believe it was done once now that's pathetic isn't it I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stop. Did you? You see, it's doing the stop that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book. Jesus Christ sent his spirit in great power among us, I was fit to be tied for days. I was so angry. I was so upset. I wanted to get out of the ministry. I said, no way am I going to put up with Well, that's absurd what God did. <laughs> of course, I wasn't absolutely sure it was God. But even after I was convinced it was God, I had difficulty with it. And I want you to know that. 
When God began moving among us, and not, this particular night, we were having a church service, and, and in fact, that, that Sunday afternoon, I, I was coming out of the, the church service. It was Mother's Day of all days, Mother's Day. If you think you'd be safe in church on Mother's Day, well, I, I'm walking out of the church, and, and God says to me, tell that young man to preach tonight. Well, I'm not in the habit of just telling any old young man to preach in my church, and I said, and particularly that young man, because I heard he was a little strange, and I said, Lord, do you want me to have him preach? And the Lord said very clearly to me, yes. John and I met three years ago at the pastor's conference, and the Lord told us that he was going to join us together, and it's taken three years to do it because I'm a chicken. I think the Lord's going to meet us tonight in a special way, so I want you to be in expectancy for a move of the Spirit of God. The Lord says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also in the midst of them. Wherever two or three will agree as touching anything, it shall be given unto them. You are a model of what God wants to show the church a lot of places. Learn, move, flow. It'll be a little dangerous. Learn how to step out, you know, a little bit more when the Lord says, come. The Lord is saying, come. The Lord tonight is saying to you, come. Let's go into a greater dimension. Get up. Make yourself available. I think that the word for today is availability. I do. I've heard the Spirit of God say that. Availability. I'll use anyone. Now, the Lord ha wants us to act. He wants us to present ourselves so that we can become vessels of this power. He said, you know, the church has been offending the Holy Spirit a long time, and uh, he's, he's quenched, but he's getting over it, and we're going to invite him to come and minister. Now, come, Holy Spirit, and whammo! <laughs> the Spirit of God comes! All heaven broke loose. I mean, I didn't, we didn't hear the sound of a roaring mighty wind, but we <laughs> might as well have. The way the Holy Spirit just went over, and you'd hear people, whole groups of followers, and screaming and yelling. He and just says the words, Holy Spirit, come. Almost immediately, uh, this, everybody just fell on the floor. There's a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the young people here. The Spirit of the Lord is moving upon these girls right here. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Let the Spirit of the Lord, the power of God is coming on this guy with a cap. Open your eyes. Let the Spirit of the Lord fill you all through your being. In Jesus' name, the guy right here with the braces, keep your eyes open. Look, open your eyes. Watch, watch. This is a class of the Spirit. Open your eyes. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let the power of God come. In Jesus' name, I bless you in the north and the Lord. Let the anointing of the Lord fall. Hallelujah. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come. No one I ever talked to that had had an experience was sorry. They all uniformly responded with, it was wonderful. I feel closer to God as a result of it. I love the Lord more as a result of it. I'm reading the Bible more now. I'm praying more now. I'm sharing more now. I'm more involved in the church and I'm more in love with the Lord than I've ever been as a result that experience. I believe that we're having a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, something similar to what I sensed back then 11 years ago. 
I, I sense it in the atmosphere. I sense it in the eyes. I sense it in the, in the voices of the people that I, I hear responding to the Lord in this hour. God is moving upon you in a very blessed way. And some of you are, are just new to it. You're just being introduced to it. And I always thought it would continue on and on, and it was always going to be the same. But you know, a revival doesn't always continue on. And I want to encourage you tonight to go on in what God is doing. Press into it. Carol, what do you see for the body of Christ, for the vineyard, what God is doing and about to do? Just talk to us about that. What I see is, it's not just for the vineyard, it's, it's for all of us. Uh, and the God showed me, it was about five years ago, and I was in church, and I was just worshiping, and I wasn't thinking about anything. And except it, there was a presence of the Holy Spirit in the room, and I thought, uh, you know, where's that, where's that spark that makes it explode? You know, like when Lonnie was around, Blaine was around, and John, John was the torch. And I thought of them as torches. Where are the torches? And I'm just kind of thinking out loud to the Lord. And then, uh, then he turns it around on me. He said, where are the torches, Carol? I need all the whole body of Christ in their place for, for what's coming. And it is coming. And that, I mean, that's just how I heard it. And it is coming. And I have, had the sense of urgency. He said, I need everybody in their places. And he showed me a picture. You've been thinking it's like tiles. Well, he's gone, but another tile. He said, it isn't like tiles. It's like a piece of the puzzle. Nobody fits but them. I have to have them in their place in the body for this thing to work right. He needs us in our place for what's coming. And I, I didn't know, I'm not sure exactly what's coming, but I know it's coming and I know it's soon and I know it's huge. And it's gonna be the whole thing. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. And that's kind of scary and wonderful to think about. You need to get it, what it is God's called you to do, and do it with all your heart. Because it's so very, very important, because no one else has been designed to do it. Like, you will do it, and you're the one he called. No one else can, will ever be able to do what he's called you to do, because we really are unique. Each one of us unique. I mean, it's coming, and it's going to be so big, and so huge, and wonderful, but terrible, too. We need to be in our place so, so we can handle the influx of masses of people. Masses of people are going to be brought in. So just do it. Everybody knows in their spirit. Everybody knows in their spirit what you're called to do. So do it. Won't be sorry. So this is where we came from. A bunch of hippies <laughs> on, the, on the West Coast. Just following what they believed God was saying, that, that this book was not meant to be something studied in like some historic sense, but that there's actually something true for us today to experience, to, to engage with, and to continue doing something about here today. I, I think that that's why in this, the series that we're calling Empowered, it's what we need. Um, it, it, it's who we are, but it's what we're leaning into. And I think it matters. I, I get some... Um, flack from you guys sometimes for not having three points in my sermon, right? But I, I think John Wimber gave us a, a great three-point sermon there. You know, we've grieved the Holy Spirit, but he's getting over it. So come Holy Spirit, and then whammo. <laughs> That's a sermon in three parts. It's not one that I've often done, but I, I first want to hit that first thing that he said. We've grieved the Holy Spirit. 
how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? A serious question to you, how do you think we do? I mean, really consider. People probably think, I'm not doing enough stuff, right? I'm not praying for the sick enough, right? Or, or I'm, I'm not pressing into these things. I'm not reading the Bible enough. You know, whatever it might be. Do you have some answers for that? Yeah. We're not doing those things that we believe we should be doing. But how do we grieve any being, not, not just God himself? You know, how, how do we grieve somebody? I've got this. I had mic drop Jesus. Now I have, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed Jesus. I can feel that in my soul a little bit. <laughs> you know, who's used that line on your kids maybe, or you've had that line used on you? You know, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And, and it, it hits you in a different way. You'd almost rather, I think, in some ways have the anger than feeling like I failed. I've done something short. I, I, haven't, I haven't been who I should be. But at the same point, I think that that's one of the reasons that we get motivated a lot, because we know that there is a high bar on things that we're expected to, right? That, that's the thing. We're called to more. We're not called to, to remain as we are. We're not called to remain in our sin. We're not called to remain indifferent to the ways that the king wants to move today. We're not called to be a part of the world and just add a little sprinkle of Jesus. Just, just say, God bless you sometimes and, and make sure you say Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. That's not an exciting life. <laughs> I have zero ambition to give up my weekends and to pursue these things in a, in a room like this. But when we understand that the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, wants to do things today that changes lives, that heals our bodies, that calls us, that, that stirs that part of my soul that knows I was made for more than a nine-to-five job that knows that I was made to do more than, than go to the grocery store and drink coffee and consume and, and be a part of that whole capitalistic cycle, you know, all that stuff. When we realize we are made for the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world, then we start to understand that Jesus can look at us, and it's a little sad sometimes of like, oh, no, really, you are called to more than this. I have called you to a, a higher life than this. This isn't what I died for was, was so that you could buy more stuff. I called for you to experience the fullness, the depth of the great love and to have the, the power and the authority to see the kingdom of God come here and shape the lives of all those whom the Lord has called and whom he has loved. So how did Lonnie know that we had grieved the Holy Spirit? I know that sounds like a theological question, but, but I think that there's a really simple answer. He asked and he was told, <laughs> right? I, I, th I think that when you're in an engagement with somebody, when you're talking to them, you, you, you kind of pick up on those notes. Like, what, what, how are you doing, God? You know, like, what, what's going on? What are you seeing? What are you doing? And I, I think that that's very important that we do that. How can we know if we've grieved the Holy Spirit? Well, we can ask. <laughs> we can press in. We can actually care enough to press in and, and to say something to him about this. So this whole line about grieving the Holy Spirit comes from Ephesians 4.30. I've got it pulled up here. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I've got it nice and color-coordinated for you so you can see different things. Yeah, on, on purpose. I, there, there's a rationale for this. Um, but when we see this, we realize that, that it starts with that word and, right? And if you're into English you know, and is used to combine ideas, right? So there's, there's more to this than this. So, so why do we realize that, that we've grieved the Holy Spirit? What's the context for this? The context is not what I think most of us think when we think that we've grieved the Holy Spirit. It's not that you're not doing enough stuff. 
It, it's, it's not that we've grieved him by, by failing to, to, to meet kind of the, the empowered life that we want to hear. It's not signs and wonders and healing and raising the dead. It's showing what I would call the fruit. He's grieved because of our character. He's grieved because of our holiness. He's grieved because we haven't loved each other the way that he's wanted us to. And this whole idea, I think, uh, you know, of what we're to be about and, and the, the whammo and this whole hope of what we want this thing to be and, and this idea of these, this empowered life, I think we've, we're always one step to the left of what the Lord is actually doing. It's there, it's possible, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but he is so concerned about our character. He's so concerned about the way that, that we experience and express holiness. He's concerned about the way that we love each other. So let's look at the context. 431, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And it goes on in 432, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. All right, so that, that's where this follows up, but, but remember, it starts with and. <laughs> so what do we have before then? It starts with this in 429, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. With that context, are we grieving the Holy Spirit? I think it becomes a little bit more. So there's so much to get into, but, but I, I think I can see maybe how Lonnie used this for Mother's Day because there, there's this show that I had to, I, I saw a commercial for, but I, I actually pulled it up last night to see if it was completely inappropriate to mention in church or not. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> Crime Scene Kitchen. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. It's a strange show, but what they do is they, they have a, some chef make something in a kitchen, all right? And then they bring in other cooks and chefs and pastry people or whatever to, to look at the remnants of what was left over to try to piece together the meal that was made in that room. So there's broken eggshells, right? There's a little smear of chocolate. You know, there, there's a cake pan that was used. They open up the trash can. They can see some cherry stems, you know, whatever it might be. The idea is that they're reconstructing this. So I think that, that knowing that, that Lonnie was preaching on Mother's Day, and, and, you know, there's these little clips. I've never heard the sermon that was preached there, but you, you kind of want to see where does it go? Where, where, what's the application that you could possibly have here? I think we're doing this in the same way a little bit with, with what's been happening in Asbury. People want to know, well, what was the spark? You know, what, what was the, the magic phrase? You know, come Holy Spirit. Well, let's try saying that, you know, for the next 20 years. You know, whatever it is, we, we want to make sure that we're dialing into th that special sauce so we can try to recreate it. But I think, again, we're taking things out of context. Grieving the Holy Spirit is kind of the context. That, that's what, what Wimber, I think, took away was that we've grieved the Holy Spirit, but things are changing. And so come, Holy Spirit. Um, my happy moments in life are increasingly f happy family moments. Seeing our girls love each other is one of the, the best things for me, and I only see one of them right now. Oh, she had to go to work for Mother's Day. But she gets the call out. You know, Karis brings home Andy's mints or Shirley Temple's from Olive Garden for Ava. You can go there and support our daughter. Um, Ava cleaning up the kitchen after Karis and her friends made some sort of cake-like thing and made a mess all over the place. Yeah, I think our good father wants the same for us. I, when he, is he not grieved? I think when he sees his sons and daughters acting in the family name, he's proud of us. He's not grieved. 
when we've said no to sin and we've said yes to love and joy and peace and kindness, when we have grieved him by, by having this anger and this malice and this backbiting that we just throw at our brothers and sisters all the time. Since this is come Holy Spirit Day, we want to look back again at this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In this, I see partnership. With whom? We are with the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom we are joined. This is, this is who we are. That, that, like, we, we can't, if we go against this, we're going against our very selves, our very nature. And it, we have a choice often. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the times and many arguments where I, I realize I have a choice to, to be humble and to submit or to just double down, <laughs> right? There's this whole fact of, of who we are. We can understand the ways of peace. I believe that we were all made for love. We were. We were all made lovable, and we were made for love. We were made to be in community. We were made to experience the depth of God's love for us. We were made for a higher purpose than capitalism and democracy and, and whatever your nine-to-five job might be. You are made for a higher purpose. It's who we are, and we can't forget that. We can't forget who we are because it is with the Holy Spirit that we live our lives. Is he bored walking around your life with you? <laughs> is he wanting to do something else? He's wanting to love people, wanting us to engage with people, and we're like, ah, I think I'm going to sit this one out. Imagine being able to talk with him and understand him, what he wants to do today, tomorrow, the day after that. We are with the Holy Spirit. Then we have this word sealed. That's just kind of an unusual word here. All right, so with whom we are sealed until the day of redemption, which I, I tell you, PR-wise, that's a much better phrase than the day of judgment. Put me down for one of those two. Give me the day of redemption. But again, this is going to be, uh, in this passage, this is where Paul is actually talking to believers, so this makes perfect sense for us. So the way that I study the scriptures, I don't know if you're the same way, you, you hit one translation, you're like, got some questions. <laughs> Let me look at another. I, I love Young's Literal as like a second go-to. If you've never used Young's, Young's Literal, I don't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> it makes, it's a literal translation of all the words into English, which does not always make for a very readable passage. This one worked out fairly well. It says this, And make not sorrowful the Holy Spirit of God, in which ye were sealed to a day of redemption. Okay, a little bit better. You've probably heard me talk before about spatial holiness, right? This is one of Josh's passions. <laughs> and the, the, the reason is because I think we often think of holiness as, as clean versus dirty. We have this idea of, of to be holy, I need to be clean, and if I'm not holy, I'm going to be dirty. The idea of spatial holiness is that I'm joined with God. There, there, there's a separation. Like, you know, you don't want to use the, the, the kitchen knife to unscrew screws because <laughs> it, it'll blunt the tip, right? And then that, that knife is never going to be able to be used for other things because it wasn't separated from the rest of them for that purpose. We have the good kitchen shears and the bad, you know, shears which are used out in the garden, right? You don't want to cross those streams because things can get gross really quick. Even if you clean them, you just kind of know, know that, that that's the outdoor scissors, right? So the idea of spatial holiness is that we join with God on this side of holiness, and we leave the things of the world on this side. Spatial holiness means we're closer to God. That's the idea. We're closer to him. It's about presence and proximity. So we are separated from this world. We're together with God, but we're sealed. So we can't get away from that word that's still here. It's not temporary. It's not debatable. 
it's obvious that it's marked and it's personal. For a while, I, I was writing these, these you know, romantic letters to Leah. I was doing treasure hunts, all these things. I, I should get back into this. But I used wax seals, you know, things like this. Y'all ever see this? It feels more romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> you get, you get a, a wedding invite with a wax seal, like, ooh. <laughs> so I, I have my own stamp and all sort of stuff that you can do with it. And, and it, it's kind of fun to do in, in a lot of, you know, contexts. But it, it, it shows something that it, it's kind of set apart. You know if the seal is, is present, if it's whole, or if it's been broken. That's the idea behind it, right? Um, in the news right now, Queen Elizabeth, uh, she left a sealed envelope for the mayor of Sydney. Do you guys know about this? To be opened in the year 2085. I actually have it pulled up here as well. Um, it, and a really interesting thing. She knew she wasn't going to be alive for, you know, until 2085. I don't think they had cracked that for her yet. So, you know, she's left a letter for them to open after her death that sealed up until that day. And it's very interesting. Maybe it's my Americanness showing, but I imagine like you open up like you're free. <laughs> you know, like you can be like Ameri like your American brothers and sisters. You don't have to have the monarchy anymore. I, again, maybe my American is showing, but you have a, a day of redemption that you can go towards. So it's this idea that we are sealed up with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That there's something going on right now that has set us aside until we can be in that place where everything is made right and perfect and whole and good. So we are set aside with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're kind of in that, that ready position. We're set aside from the world. We can't break that seal now. We are meant to be joined with him until that day comes. I want to circle back to something, though. That paternal slash maternal desire that we care for each other. There's two clarifications that we see in, in the text. First is that it's according to their needs. I've got this pulled up in a color-corded... Um, uh, slide as well. So according to their needs, and that it may benefit those who listen. How many times do we try to offer to help somebody to love them generically versus personally, right? Where we, we, we you know, the, the ways that I feel loved are words of affirmation. That's not the way Leah feels loved. So I can, I, she'll, she'll call me out on this from time to time, right? I give her compliments. I'm like, you did that really well. She's like, just hold my hand. <laughs> she's, she's physical touch. And if she comes up and hugs me, I'm going to be like, oh, but how did I do? <laughs> right? We, it doesn't feel as loving when you're loving somebody on your terms. <laughs> I feel so loved right now. <laughs> how many times do we love people generically? How many times do we love them impersonally, uh, demographically, with platitudes? The, the, the challenge of this, it's actually very hard. I have never married two generic people. I've never married Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Everybody comes with their story, their baggage, their victories, their defeats, their sorrows, their losses, their joys, their triumphs, and that makes who they are. So that when they join into marriage, it's not just two random things that, oh, here's the generic wedding message. Y'all can enjoy this and everything's going to be great. No, it's a story. It's a story that matters because it's an individual, unique expression of love. How wonderful. How good. How, how wonderful to be celebrated. I tell probably everybody with whom this pulpit is shared that, that my philosophy on preaching is it doesn't matter truly how good, truthful, articulate, how well-researched, how funny it is if your message is not heard. 
The, the point of this, <laughs> the reason that we have a microphone, the reason we open the scripture, the reason we talk is because the words are meant to do something or else why are we even bothering? That the preaching is meant to be heard to affect the lives of those who are hearing the message. That, that's why. So if I'm talking over your heads, right, if I'm, if I'm just trying to work on my dissertation and it's all going to be very academic and, and scholarly and truthful and all that stuff, but nobody can hear it and nobody cares, why did I even bother? And I got to tell you, listening back to some of my early days in preaching, that was not really good. <laughs> but it's meant to be heard. It's meant to be fruitful. The most successful messages aren't the ones that tick all the boxes, but the one that has the intended effect. The felt practical needs of the people in this room matter. Gather together for that reason, because you matter. The people in this room are why we do the things that we do. And the people outside, they're also why we gather to do the things that we do. Each story, each adventure, each application of God's love and joy and peace, all of that matters because it has to find some way to grow. So here's where I want us to go. Have we, have you and I, again, personally, specifically, the church, have we grieved the Holy Spirit? I've prayed into that. I, I, I think you should too. I think the answer is yes. I don't think it's simple. I don't think it's a universal, like, oh, he's just mad at us. I mean, you, you can never put everybody into one box and think that that's going to be, again, there's no demographic for this. But I think we have grieved the Holy Spirit. For me, I, I was thinking about the 24-hour news cycle, social media. It's done a number to us. Because I got to tell you, it's polluted who is my neighbor. It's polluted who is my neighbor. I'm scrolling through Twitter, and these people are getting me riled up. They're not my neighbor. <laughs> I don't know them from Adam. I don't, they could be a computer for real. <laughs> and, and they're polluting my soul with this, and I'm, I'm feeling this slander, this anger, this bitterness. And, and for what reason? Do I know their story? Have I crossed them on the street? Are they somebody that I will interact with? Do I have an opportunity to show them love? Do I have the opportunity to bring God's word close? We have changed the dynamic of our world, and I think we have legitimately, again, forgotten who is our neighbor. And I think the call is not to look to as far and as wide as we can as I think what the message was. It was telling us to look beyond those who live next to us to those who, we, who aren't like us. Well, yeah, but let's remember that these are the people that we need to interact with. The point is that these are people with stories that are right around us that need God's love, that need God's grace, that need his story to include their lives. It's changed my focus from where God has called me to where he hasn't. He has not called me to be the evangelist of Twitter. <laughs> He's not called me to evangelize on Facebook. He's not called me to, to bring God's kingdom through Instagram. Now, for real, maybe he's called some people to that. I legitimately, I, that, that, that's not a tongue-in-cheek reference. I have no idea what the, world, the world's going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. He hasn't called me to that. So when, when I have grieved the Spirit very personally, it's because I have forgotten the people around me, the people in my job, the people in my neighborhood, the people in my family, because those things have called my attention. Do you see? Have I grieved the Holy Spirit? I think I have, and I'm sorry for that. I need to repent of that. I don't think it's just me. I, I think that we all have to look at it, things this way to understand, Holy Spirit, what, what is it that, that makes you sad? 
What have we, the church, done? What, what, what could we do differently? How can we delight you? How can we love our brother and sister in a way that, that you're proud that we're in your family? What is it that we can do? Can we clean up after each other? Can we love each other better? Can we be the family that you want to spend time with? Or are we going to be so distracted on our phones and, and doom scrolling through dinner? What have you called us to do? So I think he's grieved, and I need to repent. I think that repenting is important for that step three, that whammo. <laughs> Repentance is not a reminder to wallow in our sadness, but to be able to confront what is wrong and move forward. Amen. Repentance is not like, oh, woe is me, I'm a worm, everything's terrible, you should feel bad for me, that's it. No, repentance is that moment when actually you say, no, wait a minute, I was made for more than this. I'm not, I don't want to spend hours scrolling on a phone. I, I don't want to forget about the people that are around me and look back and say, oh man, I really wish I had loved my kids better for those 5, 10, 15 years that we have them in our house, right? We want to be able to love them well, serve them well, bring the kingdom of God home where it matters. True repenting is not over until you're rejoicing. Repenting is not over until you are rejoicing. You haven't received grace or forgiveness if you're still guilty. The consequences may remain. Repenting isn't a way to get out of the consequences. You know, and I, I think that that's what we think it might be. Like, we don't repent to get a clean slate as if that thing never happened. And I think that sometimes we're even slow to forgive each other because we want them to still be accountable. <laughs> That really matters what you said to me. That really hurt me. And I feel like if I say you're forgiven, you're just going to get away with it. And that doesn't seem fair. And so we withhold our, our forgiveness. We withhold our kindness and gentleness because we're afraid that justice will suffer. And we think that we're somehow the arbiters of this. And we think that sometimes we have the power to do this. So we just kind of keep that under our control so that I can still dish out some judgment and some punishment whenever I want to. So we are not living with forgiveness and grace the way that Jesus modeled it for us. We don't have to fear because God is kind, God is gracious, and God is just. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And only he can really do that perfectly. We, we'll, we'll screw it up. <laughs> I'll screw it up. You know, I'll be, I'll be kind when I should, you know, make sure that something's held accountable. I'll, I'll be all stiff and, and, you know, severe whenever there's really a need for just tenderness and love. You know, that, that this is why we keep our therapists and our counselors in great supply. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and why this is hard. Because, again, there's not one size fits all in this life. The way that people feel loved, the way that they understand forgiveness, the stories that we invite each other into, those moments that we're talking about, those things shape us and form us. They're part of our story. It's what allows the great adventure of, of learning about each other to be life-changing. How did you come to understand it this way? How, how do you know love? How do you experience grace? Tell me about your, your response to this. Why do you understand things that way, not the way that I do? In, uh, again, the recent move of God that we've seen at Asbury, the whammo moment, if you talk to anybody who was there, who, who listened to it, who partake in it, it was people discovering God's love. That's the fruit of it. People discovering God's love. Like, but like really getting it. You know, not, not just like, yeah, I know God loves me. You, you know whenever you actually feel loved. Have you ever, I hope 
Everybody in here has experienced that. There's these moments where I, I just realize there's nothing, I, I, I always want to be reciprocal. Somebody gives me a compliment, I want to give them a compliment. Somebody gives me a gift, I want to give them a gift. You know, maybe even a bigger one. <laughs> so, like, try to keep it moving in that, that direction that I often don't actually just feel something. Because that can be overwhelming. It can be scary. And I, I think that, that there's these moments and times where we've been, giving some, we've been given something so great, so vast, that you realize you can't return the favor. Have you ever been given a gift that you know you couldn't give back? Isn't it wonderful? Where all you can do is kind of sit back and be like, thank you. <laughs> that to me is what happened at Asbury. God showed up and said, I love you. And there's nothing we could do. The, you can't pay this back. We can't go to the cross. That price has been paid. We, we can't do more for God than what he has done for us. Do we realize that? Are we grateful for that? How deep, how vast, how wide is his love? Poetry is better than logic to talk about this then. But we're still trying to write these, these you know, huge theses, trying to explain God's love and all this stuff. Poetry is better, which is why we sing songs, which is why worship really matters for us. Because what can we say that, 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 that makes it better? My heart is crying out. I, I, I have to do more than just say God loves you. I, I have to express it some way. Experience is better than witnessing, too. Now, logic and witnessing are very important, and they're, they're vital in, in the full expression of uh, understanding this whole thing. But I think that when we forget our poetry, we forget our experience, we're going to mistake on how we move from repenting to whammo. <laughs> so here's the question. We're going to have ministry. Ethan, you can come back up. When was the last time you felt truly, deeply seen, known, and loved? Just like a little soul check. Do you feel like any person has seen you, knows you, loves you? Do you feel like God really, truly sees you, knows you, and loves you? Bit of a challenge, are you helping others to experience that? If we remember, again, the context of this passage about grieving the Holy Spirit, it's helping other people experience that. Get rid of, of slander and anger and bitterness. Lift them up in a way that helps them, in a way that they understand that they are loved. Be a brother and sister as we're called to be. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? I think you really need to ask. Don't make an assumption. Understanding, this, this is again the vineyard, we, we believe that when we talk to God that he hears us and can answer. We, we believe God is real. <laughs> we believe that you can be in communion with him, that, that you can talk to him and that you can hear from him. So ask him the question, have I grieved you? Have I grieved you? Do you have something to repent of, church? If you have something to repent of, how lucky are you? And I mean this. I, I think what often when we, we want to set the mood for repentance, you get the sad songs, you know, you, you know, and, and you, you know, all this stuff. If you have something to repent of, I want to tell you how lucky for you today because you get to leave it behind. You get to leave whatever shortcoming, whatever sorrow, whatever loss, whatever mistakes, you get to leave that behind and leave 
renewed, <laughs> refreshed, restored, empowered, forgiven. How wonderful. How wonderful that you can put your finger on something and say, I know I've messed up. And the Lord has told me about it. And I want to be a different person going forward. I know what we can do. I want my life to be well lived. I want my, my soul to be well cared for. And I can understand that now. So truly ask, do I have something to repent for? And if you do, I want to bless you, not judge you. <laughs> bless you to leave it behind, to, to go forth in, in who the Lord has called you to be.